fabulous professor. He had cancer. He died the year, uh, the semester after I had him, but he impacted my life and had such a grasp of how we are to share the gospel from house to house and based on relationships. So we started by talking about discovering our mission field. We discover our own mission field by surveying and seeing who the people are in our lives, people that we have in our lives, whether it be immediate family or extended family, relatives, business associates, neighbors, acquaintances, all the way out to a person X. And so we're in that process. I hope you're still journeying through that to discover the people that you are responsible for and and beginning to minister to them. Once we take the survey and we learn who the people are that we are responsible for, that God placed in our survey, then the first thing and the most important thing we can do is to pray and to intercede for them. I gave you a little card. I hope you all have a little card. It teaches you how to pray for God to engineer the situations in that personal life where they might be loved and for God to give you the courage and boldness to be able to share when given the opportunity to confront somebody with the gospel. It's a great little prayer. To be able to learn that prayer, is, I think, is important. But to intercede for people that we have, asking God to make a way where we'll have the chance to talk to them about eternal life. Then we talked about that love is meeting needs. And that to love people, you're going to be out searching and seeking to know their needs and to meet their needs and, and for God to use you in that way. And then last week we discovered overcoming barriers. What are some of the barriers that keep us from sharing our faith? We talked about a number of those things from, from fear and lack of confidence and all those kind of things that we have that keep us from sharing our faith. And, and we have to overcome those things and, and be able to share. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about building bridges, all right? building bridges to people. What is the purpose of a bridge? The purpose of a bridge is this. It is a structure that makes crossing over from one side to another possible. Bridge building is building a relationship, in our case, that lets us cross over into the world of another. Get that in your mind. We're over here and we have our life. Here's somebody else living their life. And and we're wanting to build a bridge where we can cross over and to be involved in their life, be involved in their life, then when we have crossed over into his or her world, they feel safe. And then in turn, they will cross over into our world. You get the picture? Building a bridge to somebody so we can cross over to their world in order for them to cross back over into our world And in that midst of our world, a a key part, I hope, of your life and my life, of our world is our faith in Christ, our relationship with God. And so whenever we're going into their world, we're hoping that they will cross back over into our world and come to understand who we are and what is of value to us in our lives and to be able to share the gospel with them, what's important in our lives. So we're talking about building bridges to people. How do you build bridges to people? You reach out in love. You reach out in love to people. You show them that you care. You show them that you care. You're just going to 
put as the goal in your life that you're going to go out there loving on people, caring about people, caring about them in such a way that they know that you're building this bridge into their life and their relationship. So today we want to talk about how we do that. Talked talk about three things. First thing I'm going to talk about is a times of celebration and joy. You're going to have the, the best times to build bridges to people is whenever they go through a period of change. When their life is kind of in an upheaval or something's happened in their life that, it, that's not normal. Okay? When people go through change, they're more open to, to, and receptive to those things that people would share or bring in their life. And, and those are on two sides. One is on times of celebration and joy, and the other might be in times of stress and need. Okay, so let's talk about those. How do you build a bridge to people in times of celebration and joy? You find things that are happening in their life, and you show them you care about that. I'm going to give you a few just to point out what I mean. One of those things would be, a great celebration is a wedding. Isn't that right? I mean, a, a wedding is a celebration. And I know for some people, they say, well, I don't want to go to a wedding. I don't want to be a part of it. But, but a wedding is important to that family. A wedding is important to that, that man and that woman, that boy, that girl, who, whoever it is getting married. And how, how do you build a relationship to them? You show them that you care. Your presence there your congratulations there, your gift there. It, it might not be what you would normally do. It might not be what you would pick out. This is the most favorite thing that I could do in all the world. But it's not about you. It's about a purpose you have in building a relationship with that person. They will remember that you were there. They remember that you took time out to come and to be there with them. Jesus went to a wedding, didn't he? His first miracle was performed at a wedding. But Jesus went to that wedding. So a time of celebration can be a wedding. A second thing, you need to write these down, is the birth of a baby. When a baby is born, that is a wonderful time to build a bridge to a family. Whenever they have that baby, I mean, there's nothing in the world that changes you more than having that baby, right? And you see fathers that ordinarily might not say a thing to anybody, but they dote on that baby, and they'll tell everybody in that hospital about that baby. They'll stop everybody to see that baby because they're so excited about what's happened there. And what better time to join in with somebody, to show somebody you care, than in a time whenever their baby is born. You stopping by, you bringing that gift, you doing something. All of those things are caring and building a bridge to that family. They will know that you were there. They will know that you did that. Now, I know it's tough sometimes whenever you have to, you have to know how to handle you know, babies because sometimes you're required to lie a little bit. <laughs> Somebody said God forgives that lie, but it's, you know, what I mean by that is everybody thinks their baby is the prettiest baby ever, don't they? Isn't that the prettiest baby you've ever seen in your life? You know, a little wrinkled up thing, <laughs> a little bald-headed thing. So, so what do you say? What do you, you say to me? I, I learned what you say. You said, that's just a little doll. She's just a little doll. Not all dolls are pretty. <laughs> but she's just a little doll. But, but yeah, what, Dave? Well, she's healthy. <laughs> that's about the only thing they could say, huh? <laughs> but all joking aside, 
that time of birth, that time of celebration, is a time whenever you need to you need to take time to go and, and to share and to care for somebody. Well, you, the idea is anytime there's a time of celebration, you do something, you're going to invest in that person's life. If you're wanting to get them to listen to you and for you to have an inroad to love on them and care for them, take the times of celebration. Another time are birthdays. Birthdays. People love birthday cards, or they love birthday texts these days, or they love for somebody to call them and to remember their birthday. I really encourage you that whenever you make this survey, one of the best things you can do with those people in your survey that you're beginning to try to build a relationship with, find out when their birthdays are. And it may be a cousin, it may be a a nephew, it may be somebody that you don't ordinarily didn't know very well or anything. But you find out when their birthday is and you just make sure you send a card that day or you call them that day or you do something like that, they will remember that. That builds a a bridge to them. When they know that you care, they they want to listen to what you say. I had an uncle who was probably the best I ever saw at that. He he was was my, my dad's youngest brother, Uncle Mike. And it didn't, matter, it didn't matter when it was or what happened. He always remembered my mom and my dad's birthday. He always remembered that. And he always called them on, on their birthday. Nobody else may remember. Nobody else may call as far as the extended family. But he would always remember that. Matter of fact, they would expect it. They'd say, well, that must be Mike calling. You know, because he, he would call. That makes a difference. Taking the time to write that card, send that text, make that call. Find out when their birthday is. All right? Another one is anniversaries. Not just the 25th anniversary and not just the 50th anniversary, but the anniversary of people's lives, whenever they were married and whenever they spent time with this person for this many years. And remembering that, that's a time of celebration. A graduation. A graduation is a, is a wonderful one. You're talking about building a bridge to younger people whenever they graduate from high school and you're investing in their life and you're contacting them, letting them know how proud you are for their graduation or whenever they went to college. I still remember to this, to this day when I got my doctor's degree at New Orleans Seminary, I came, I came out, we came out of there and, and stopped in Slidell to eat lunch. And whenever we stopped there, the pastor of First Baptist Biloxi, Frank Gunn was his name. Frank Gunn didn't know me, but, and he's a well-known pastor in Mississippi. But Frank Gunn saw me and he said, he said, didn't you... Uh, didn't you graduate today? And I said, he said, I said, yes, sir, I did. What was that? I got a doctor's degree and stuff. It, was, it wasn't, but about three or four days when I got back to my office, there was a, a letter, handwritten letter from Dr. Frank Gunn congratulating me on receiving my doctor's degree. He didn't have to do that. He, he had to take the time. He remembered who I was. He had to take the time to find out where I was and to send me that letter. And I've never forgotten that. Why? Because he showed he cared. That same thing happens in people's lives whenever you do something that is unexpected. They would not expect you to do that. They wouldn't expect you to care that much. But whenever you show that, it opens a door. It builds that bridge for you to cross over. So graduation. Another one is a congratulations. This is a good practice to get in. One of the things I, I hate these days is that we don't have a daily paper. You know, I know that everybody's, I know everybody's into technology and all this kind of stuff, but I miss a daily paper. I miss, I used to, I always loved the daily paper. Because in the paper, you could keep up with what happened with people. 
you could see things that would happen with like sports, uh, kids who do something in sports or, or a graduation or an honor to be here or a picture in the paper. And it, it was easy to cut out that picture in the paper or that little clipping that was there and say, write a note on it and send it to them and say congratulations. And now you can't do that, will you? Oh, you do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, maybe one way to do it. I really do miss that. That was a great, great source of being able to congratulate people. Your kids, uh, you'd see what your kids did in the church or somebody, family would do something and all, you'd have it. Find out, and when you find out those things, take time to congratulate somebody. Another one is expressions of appreciation. Appreciation. Take time to say thank you to somebody for them doing something, maybe that they've never been thanked for at all. You know, they're waiting the table or something like that. He had a great, it's a great article, I mean, a little story in here in Dr. Thompson's life about appreciation. Listen to this. I, had never, I would never have thought of this at all. He said, I remember one of my first pastorates. It was a mission. The roads were gravel and dusty and noisy. Rocks would fly. I decided the streets should be paved. We had about 12 blocks that led to the church one way and about four blocks the other. Most of the people who lived in the area were elderly. I said, Father, I believe we can do it. Everybody told me that I was out of my mind. And after a while, I was out of my mind, trying to get everybody to sign papers, driving hundreds of miles to find in-laws and outlaws and kinsmen to sign. It took about four or five months, but finally, everybody signed. Then after all the work was done, the people were thrilled. It was really a big thing. The construction crew supervisor who did the paving job was a big, tall man named Gus. He was very likable. His wife would take him lunch, and my mother would send some fruit for the crew. Finally, when the job was done, I wrote Gus a long letter of appreciation and told him what a fine job he and his crew had done and how much I appreciated it. I had not met Gus. A few days later, Gus's wife stopped me in town. She yelled, Oscar, come here. She stood there a moment as big tears welled up in her eyes, and she said, You know, Gus has been working for the city for years, and no one has ever written him a letter of appreciation. She continued, Gus sat down the other night and read your letter over and over and just cried. The next Sunday, Gus and his wife were in church. Until, the, until that time, neither had been in church. Six weeks later, I baptized both of them. From what? A letter of appreciation. Thank you for doing a good job of paving our street. Built a bridge. The bridge was crossed over, and Gus and his wife came to know Christ. That's what we're talking about, building that kind of a bridge. Well, those are times of, of celebration. Those are times of joy and excitement and happiness. There's another time, though, when life can be in an upheaval that you have an opportunity to build bridges. 
And that is in times of stress and need. Times of stress and need. When people's lives get in a kilter because of things that happen that they do not anticipate, they do not expect, but it happens in their life, they're, they're in need of somebody to love on them and care for them and to show them that love that only Christ can show. Let me give you a few of those times whenever um, they have it. You say, well, is, is, there a bibl- is there a biblical basis for what you're saying? Yes, there is a biblical basis for that. Let me, let me show you what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In other words, get involved in people's lives. Get involved in their lives. When they have reason to rejoice, you rejoice with them. When they have reason to weep, you re- weep with them. Another verse is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. And Paul said, I will be all things to all men that I might win some. In other words, I'm going to try to cross over that bridge. I'm going to try to get involved in their life. I'm going to try to meet some needs where they are so that I might win some, that some might come to know Christ. Well, a time of sickness is certainly when people's lives are opened up and they need help and they need somebody to care. You can do that when they're sick at home. I mean, a great thing about that is is carry them a meal, carry them some soup, carry them a card, do something. Don't let somebody think they've been forgotten. You also can carry on that ministry in the hospital. I'm so glad that the hospitals opened back up. I mean, uh, you know, we went through COVID. We ministers, we, we didn't know what to do. I mean, our whole lives is going to hospitals, nursing homes, funeral homes, wherever. And, and whenever you can't go in, we didn't know what to do. It's hard, hard to reach people. But now things have opened back up, and almost all hospitals are, unless you go to a special unit, and then it may, may require you to wear a mask, but still they're letting you get in. So I want you to I want you to learn how and to be willing to go to hospitals. Some people are intimidated by hospitals. Don't have to be intimidated. That's a part of life. People have to be there. And and I want you to I want you to learn how to go and minister. So Brent, can I get you and you John, would I get you to help me just a second? Pass these out. I gave you I'm giving you a little do's and don'ts, okay? I gave this to our deacons recently whenever they're being trained for hospital visits and bereavement. But I want to give it to you. In other words, it's a do's and don'ts of whenever you go to the hospital. People say, well, I don't know. I don't know what to do in the hospital. Well, am I supposed to go in there? What happened? Can I do this? Can I do that? This, these do's and don'ts will help you immensely to know what's acceptable, what's acceptable in the hospital. Okay, so I want, I want you to look at that. Do's and don'ts. First page is do's and don'ts for a list for hospital visitation. And this is not mine. It's from Joe Cawthon, who taught at New Orleans Seminary. His book was called Equip for Good Works. There's some I added, but most of these are Joe Cawthon. Don't awaken a patient who is asleep. Leave a card. Don't enter a room with a no visitor sign without checking with a nurse. Don't enter a room if the patient's physician is present. If, if the doctor's in there, don't go in. If you're in there visiting and a doctor comes in, excuse yourself. 
Because there's doctor and patient privileges there that you have. Don't come into physical contact with a patient's bed. There's a book about how to minister in the hospital. that says, don't sit on the bed. <laughs> so you don't want to touch the bed. I mean, the worst thing in the world is to shake somebody's bed if they're hurting sometimes. So don't, don't touch their bed. Don't make a surgery patient laugh. Okay, Mr. and Ms. Comedian, it is not time to make them laugh whenever they've had stitches. All right? Don't criticize any member of the medical team. Please don't do that. Your doctor is who? Man, I've heard everybody, he's killed about half the people here. Please don't do that. All right? Don't enter any room on a psychiatric wing without checking with the nurse's station. Don't talk about your ailments or past surgeries. Well, that is one. Man, I had, I remember when I had that done. You want to see my scar? I remember I had that. It was, it was horrible when I went through it. Man, the recovery took forever. That, those are great words. Matter of fact, if you're, if you're going to talk to me after I have surgery tomorrow, learn, don't, don't do that, okay? Don't, learn the do's and don'ts when you're going to talk to me tomorrow, all right? Uh, listen to this, uh, where it says, Do remember that the frequency of visits should be determined by the case and its needs. All right. Oh, I forgot the one above that. Don't tell the bad experiences someone had when they went through this procedure. Please don't do that. Don't stay in touch. Uh, do stay in touch with critical cases. Do have prayer with each patient when feasible. If they'll let you pray, pray with them. They, they would almost expect you to do that, to be able to pray with them. It doesn't have to be some long prayer. It could be, be a sentence prayer. Lord, just bless them and help them to get well. That's all, that's all that's needed. Do try to calm and comfort those who are ill. Do make friends with a medical team by showing sensitivity and appreciation for what they're doing for the patient. Do be pleasant, brief, helpful, and optimistic. Do pay attention to the needs of the family and the ill person, and help when needed. Sometimes the family that's there is in more need than the patient is. They're needing to be comforted and strengthened, especially in critically ill situations. So I'm helping you know you need to be able to go in times of stress, times of need, like the hospital, when somebody's sick. This is how to do it, how to do it well, okay? Another time of stress is in a time of death, in a time of death. Let me tell you a few little things to write down about that. I put that on the back page, on the back page where it says ministering to the bereaved. Ministering to the bereaved. Number one, make yourself available to help family by making arrangements, running errands, contacting friends and family. I can't tell you how much that means to people whenever somebody will take, take charge of something. Most of us go to that. Now, if you need anything, just let me know. They're not going to let you know. They don't even know what they need. The, the best thing to do is, if you see something that's needed, go do it. If their grass needs to be cut, get, get some people together and cut the grass. If somebody needs to clean up the house, some clean up the house. If I need to go get ice, get ice. Go do things for them. They will never, ever forget that. It is amazing what a chest full of ice will do in building a relationship with somebody. I don't know about you, unless you you're, have a special house, there's never enough ice when there's a crowd there. It runs out. So somebody to go to the church and pick up ice and carry it down there, it means everything. You'll never forget that. All right? 
Be sure someone from the church staff is notified. Be certain arrangements are being made to provide food for the family. Be assertive to help do things rather than just ask. Attend visitation at the funeral home. Oh, they know that. They know when somebody comes. It's called the ministry of presence. Some people say, I can't go to the funeral home because I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. You don't have to say anything. Just, just go and hug their neck. Just go and say, say we, we love you. Praying for you. Right? You don't have to give any answers. You have to give an explanation. But they will know when you, that you are there. They will remember that. Okay? Make certain you sign the registration book because it is precious possession to many families. In other words, people go in and say, well, I'm not going to sign that book. I'm just going to go by and see them. If you've ever been in a, a death situation, especially a shock death situation, you're in shock for about four days. You can't hardly remember anything. But you know what you will remember when you go through that visitation book? You'll see people who wrote their names down who came. So, ah, and I don't remember Fred coming. I remember, but I appreciate him coming. I don't remember that. It's, it, make sure you sign that registration book. Attend the funeral as schedule that allows you to do so. Allow the Holy Spirit to use you as an instrument of healing and comfort. Things not to do. Do not feel that you have to say, any, say something. Allow the presence to minister to the family. Do not ask detailed questions which require family members to exert tremendous amounts of mental energy. Do not stay with the family all the time. The family needs time to be alone and grieve together. Do not get involved in humorous conversations near the family who's grieving. Be sensitive. Do not forget the family after the funeral. This is so very, very important. If you want to put a star by one, put it by five. Many families are comforted during the hours of the funeral services only to be forgotten in the days following the funeral. A simple call or short visit will bless them. You know, every, whenever somebody dies, everybody rallies at that time. Everybody rallies and everybody wants to cook and everybody wants to do things. They got more food than they can possibly eat. But about a week later... No one knows about it. No one is there. Lonely time. So here, here's a little thing I encourage you to do. Contact them on the day of the death. Try to contact somebody when you're, when you're ministering to them. One week later, contact them some way. Card, call, text. Let them know you're thinking. One month later, six months later, and... On the anniversary date. The last time, you may do it beyond that, but the last time that is an absolute necessity is the anniversary date. You need to do it then. Now, why? Why, why, why the anniversary date so significant? Okay, what? I think everybody's forgotten, but what else? Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a time of grief because of what? That was the day. You, you, the next year, you will remember that day where, where you were when it was when you heard that news. You will remember that. And here's the other thing. It marks the first day when it's not the first time that you're living without that loved one. Every other, every other day, is it's their birthday. It was our anniversary day. It's our first Christmas. It's the first Thanksgiving. It's a, everything is a first time until you get to that anniversary date, and that now begins the second year. And the first year is the hardest. Yeah. 
You're right. On number six, this just goes along with that. One week, one month, six months, one year from the time of death. On these days, remember to pray for the family and assure them of your continuing support. They will remember that. That is bridge building. A person who has faced death. Another stressful time can be a job loss. Whenever somebody loses their job, uh, you, you know, you, you say, well, what do I do with that? I don't have a job to offer them. No, but you can say, we're going to pray through this and stand with you. And we want you to know we love you and, and that God has a plan for it. Don't, don't try it. So many times we get uncomfortable situations, which are wonderful times to walk through, walk over a bridge and build a bridge. We run the other direction. We go the opposite direction of where we ought to go towards them. Financial uh, reversals, such as a house fire. So somebody loses their house. I mean, that's a devastating thing. Did you know so many times when those kind of things happen to people, they feel very isolated because nobody wants to come around, don't know what to say, know what to do? That's the time to build a bridge. Relationship crises. Whenever there's a, a marriage relationship crisis or a family relationship crisis, has to do with children or grandchildren or any of those things, whenever those things are hurting, whenever those things are happening, those are times when you can build relationships. You will have an opportunity to build a relationship because most people aren't. Most people are not going to do it, but you have an opportunity to do it. And remember, you're trying to build a relationship so that they feel safe with you so that eventually you have an opportunity to tell them what gives you your joy, what gives you your strength, what makes your life the way it is. It's bridge building. Last thing I want you to see, though, and that is what we call identifying points of contact. There, you, you have opportunities when it's a joyful time. You have opportunities when it's a stressful time. But what about in the, in the meantime when we're not between the joyful experiences and the uh, stressful experiences? What, what about in this normal? Identifying points of contact. The first point of contact that you might consider is a hobby. How, how, do, you, how do you build a bridge to somebody? If, you have, if they have a hobby, then, and you could have that same hobby, or you could learn about that hobby, or you could be interested in that hobby. If you like to golf, and some of you guys like to golf, what better way to build a relationship with somebody than to invite them to go to golf with you? All right? Of course, act like a Christian while you're golfing. Then they do. But, but, but the, the hobbies that you have make all the difference, Ken. Now, Dr. Thompson, he gives a, a little story in here. I think this is a precious story. I, I wish my heart were, were more like this guy. He says, one of my friends told me a story that happened when he was a young boy. One night he came home and saw his dad really working on something. Jim said, Dad, what in the world are you doing? His dad replied, I'm working on this telegraph key. Learning the Morse code. Why, asked Jim. You're not interested in ham radios. Yes, I am, his father replied. You know Greg Smith's father down the street, the house with the big antenna? Yes, Jim answered. I tried to reach him, but he would not even talk to me, Jim's dad replied. The only thing he knows and loves is ham radio. I am going to learn how to be a ham radio operator so that I can reach Greg's dad. Jim's dad took the time to build a bridge to Greg's dad. The bridge was a ham radio. Six months later, Greg's dad trusted Jesus. That is reaching out in your concentric circle and building bridges. He didn't know anything about ham radio, but Greg's dad did, 
And he took that hobby and built a relationship, a bridge to that man whereby he was able to cross over and share the gospel with him. What hobbies do you have? Golf, hunting, fishing, ham radio, whatever it might be. Find a connected point with somebody you're trying to reach and be involved in that. Or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just uh, a person's interest, whatever a person's interest is. How, how do you know what a person's interest is? This, this will help you. Or, or, or somebody might call it a passion. What is a per, how do you know a person's interest or their passion? What they, what they enjoy, what they like, what rings their bell. How do you know that? They talk about it. Anytime, anytime they get, they're given opportunity to just talk about what they want to, they find that subject. They talk about that subject. They enjoy that subject. And if you will listen, you can find out where people's interests are. And as you listen to where their interests are, then you can join in with their interest or you can develop a relationship with them based on that interest if you'll just simply listen. And, and if you're interested in what they're interested in, boy, they, they sure can talk. They sure can share and be with you. Another thing is a common bond. What, what is a common bond? A common bond is something you have in, in uh, consistency with another person, okay, in common with another person. What, what I mean that, but well, let me show you this. Uh, if you're if you if you're living in a in another state like Alabama, whenever somebody comes and they come across your path, and they say, "I'm from Mississippi." Hey, I'm from Mississippi. What's our common bond? We're we're from Mississippi. If you're in if you're in the state in Alabama, and you're somewhere and you went to a school somewhere or some university or somewhere you are, and somebody says, "Well, I'm from Mobile." I'm from Mobile. What's the common bond? The city. The other night at that movie, it was, it was the neatest thing because Lynn didn't know it was filmed in Mobile. And whenever they came up at that first scene of that school, she said, that looks like Murphy High School where I graduated. I said, well, it's filmed in Mobile. She said, that is Murphy. I used to sit under that tree. You know, she, and, and so that was, a, that was a common bond she had with that movie. Wait a minute. Came out. And another girl was sitting there talking, and she said, well, that school was my school. I graduated from Murphy High School. I brought them to I said, both of y'all graduated from Murphy High School. Who would imagine in this movie theater you have two people? What was the combine? They, they graduated together. There's something that bind, binds you together. If you're in another country, if you're in another country, and somebody's from North America, well, I'm from North America. I'm from the United States. You have common bonds based on where you are, based on what that relationship that you have brings together. And it can be not only schools, states, it can be occupations. What, what, what did you do? I did, well, that's what I did. And where did you do it? This is where we did it. How, occupations can be that. Not only in occupations, but it can also be mutual friends. You know, you, you say, somebody will say, they know, well, I know, well, I know him too. How did you know him? How, how did you know him? And you find out how that person knows them and where they knew them. All of those things build bridges to people. They will build bridges to people to where you have an opportunity that next time you see them, you're able to say, hey, Mississippian. Hey, Murphyite. <laughs> you know, you're able to say things that, that builds a relationship where immediately and automatically you can 
walk over that bridge to talk to them all about all kinds of things. And what are you ultimately trying to get to? To talk to them about the most important thing you know. Most important thing about your life, and that's Jesus. But you've got to get to that place where you can be on that side and they're going to trust you for them to listen to you when you talk to them about Jesus. So we, we, I'm sure all of us got a lot of work to do in bridge building. But we need to do it. And, and, and these people on your survey, those people in your families, those relatives, those neighbors, work associates, try to start finding where can I build a bridge to them? Where's the point of contact? What if they go through a time of stress? What if it's a time of joy? How can we build a bridge to them that we can share the gospel of Christ? That is of utmost importance. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for challenging us to be people who care about others. Care about others enough that we're, we want to build a bridge to them. And we want to build a bridge in such a way that they can trust us and love us and would allow us to share the most important thing we know, and that's you. Father, I, I know that you want us to reach people for Christ, and you want us to reach people in our own community, in our own survey, our, our own mission field. And we want to do that. We want to be obedient to you. So help us to know how, help us to learn how, and to actually do it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.